0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
1: And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's
0: got him to win it! Nurse shoots and scores! Looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch. And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
1: Oh, hey there! Since you're on the internet anyways, why not visit Dusak and Barlow online? Well, (laughs) that's an awkward way to start the show. I got this webpage open. And uh, one of the automatic commercials plays. Okay. Uh, This has nothing to do with being on the internet anyway, though if you're listening online, we appreciate it. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Hope you have a great evening in front of you. Maybe some of you are going to the Saville Centre to check out Canada and Turkey, Game 1 of the Edmonton grads International Classic. They'll also play Friday at 7 and Saturday at 3. Canada ranked number 5 in women's. Women's Basketball Turkey number 7. Edmonton's Plouffe Sisters are on Team Canada. And uh, it's basketball week in Edmonton. Councillor Tim Cartmel made that proclamation today at City Hall. There's a three-on-three tournament at the Saville Centre as well. It'll go Friday and Saturday. Edmontonians Jermaine Buckner and Steve Sir playing in that. They've both done uh, great after playing high school at Ross Shep. They went NCAA. They've played pro in Europe. Jermaine Buckner will join me a little bit later on. All right, you can text 636 The phone number is 780-496-0063. Going to start off with a a little bit from the world of football today. And uh, as you may know, uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders are a very popular team in our country. And they have a very passionate fan base. And they didn't do very well in their last game. They lost to the lowly montreal alouettes it is uh, ckrm inner regina is the play-by-play voice of the saskatchewan rough riders so this audio is courtesy of that station it is from their post-game show after the loss to montreal on the weekend i will i will not play the entire four minute phone call by this fan kellen have you heard this uh, I heard bits and pieces. You've heard of bits this. and pieces. we'll, we'll, we'll play this, We'll play this part for people just to just to set it up. And quite frankly, it, it went on a while. Uh, the guy was guy was pretty upset. But here here's a highlight of of this gentleman's phone call after the game.
0: But we weren't even in it, guys. Start to finish, uh-huh. we've played the worst team in football, probably in Canada, and I'm including Regina Minor football, <laughs> and we lost by six points at home. He's going to tell me that the Ron Carter... And after the game, Chris Jones gets asked a very important question. Well, what do we do with the Ron Carter next? say, oh, well, we got to work on it. Oh, we'll see. Oh, we'll see. You know what, Jones? Pull the headset off and the blinders. Wake up and see what's in front of you. You got one of the most talented receivers in the league playing defense and doing a piss poor job of it.
1: All right, so that guy was angry. <laughs> I, th- I think they gave him a. I think he got a prize for that phone call. Uh, for the, I think they. I think they give out uh, like a car wash on that show. Oh. And I think they gave him the car wash coupon because he said something about being in his car, and it was probably. Spit covered from him being so animated on that phone call. So anyway, that that was uh, they're they're mad in Saskatchewan. They're they're mad at Chris Jones about having Deron Carter playing defense when he's one of the best receivers in the league. So he's hurting them defensively because he's given up some big plays. Now, he has made some big plays as a defender, but it was bad for him against Montreal on Saturday. So Chris Jones uh, spoke today after Rough Riders practice.
2: Coach, you know a lot of fans are pushing the panic button after the start to this season
0: and the expectations that were there. Mm Do you have a message to the fans who are sort of getting a little bit over carried away. Let me, just, let me just cut you off right there. I'll be honest with you. I worry about this football team and I can't worry about the fans. I mean, you know, if we if we went undefeated there'd be somebody complaining. So, I mean, uh, I remember when we won the state championship in high school I was sitting in a cafe the next day and people were complaining we didn't throw the ball
3: more. So,
1: All right. So, Chris chose not to worry about it making the point that if we are undefeated there'd always be somebody unhappy. And... uh well, I, did, I didn't I know school, that. I was
0: sitting in a cafe the next day, and people were complaining we didn't throw the ball more.
1: So. All right. <laughs> so if, if there's one guy who's probably not going to be swayed by the public opinion of the fan base, it's uh, it's Chris Jones. But but they're mad. They are they are mad in Saskatchewan, and I'm sure there are members of Ryder Nation listening to the show tonight who uh, maybe might be mad themselves. Who knows? Tomorrow, Hamilton takes on Saskatchewan. The Edmonton Eskimos will... Meet the Toronto Argos on Saturday. We have it on 6.30, Chad, with the countdown to kickoff at 2. The game will start at 3.30. I just want to quickly touch on something. <laughs> Somebody texted in. How did that caller really feel about Chris Jones? <laughs> uh, see, it's, it's always one of those interesting things. Because the rest of the country wants the Rough Riders to lose and to suffer. So they thought that was hilarious, and, and then the Riders fans are really upset about what's happened. Sure, I'm sure all the Eskimos fans listening enjoyed that phone call and Jones' clip. Anyway, uh, Len Rhodes, President and CEO of the Edmonton Eskimos. We, we talked about this last week, and I don't want to get huge into the debate tonight. Because I think it's going to keep coming up, and, and we did about a half hour of uh, open line on it last week, kind of unexpectedly. I was just sort of mentioning it as a, as a bit of an aside, and I know a lot of people are uh, opinionated about it, and it hits close to home. But I do want to touch on it tonight because Len Rhodes was uh, on with Ryan Jesperson earlier today on the Ryan Jesperson show. That's nine to noon every at nine to noon every weekday on six thirty. Ched and Len Rhodes went to several northern communities last week. Talk to Canadians who live in the North from various, uh, I guess, from various heritages and ask them about the uh, Edmonton Eskimos name. And I know Len has said that he's not going to rush into a decision. It's important to him to talk to people and talk to season ticket holders. And they've done a survey with season ticket holders and they'll, they'll get to the results of that. Uh, But this is what Len said about, uh, to me, You know, I'm not going to say Len was evasive because he wasn't evasive, but he's also being careful not to indicate what the decision is or will be, because there isn't one yet. He, he's, he's in the process of gathering information. So, okay, good for him for doing that. Uh, but here is what Len Rhodes had to say about talking to people in the North.
0: Quite frankly, the majority of the people that we spoke to were actually supportive of the name. And those who weren't, it you know, it's more skewed towards, well, it just doesn't mean anything to us. Uh, we're Inuit. The word Eskimos isn't relevant. Uh, very few actually talk about the more offensive side, but they do exist, and we recognize that.
1: All right, just going to play that again.
0: Quite frankly, the majority of the people that we spoke to were actually supportive of the name, and those who weren't, you know, it's more skewed towards, well, it just doesn't mean anything to us. Uh, We're Inuit. The word Eskimos isn't relevant. Uh, Very few actually talk about the more offensive side, but they do exist, and we recognize that.
1: All right. So, you know, Len's going to keep gathering information on this. As he mentioned, he went up there, was pretty well received. Uh, I, I think he's saying there it's minority of people who are offended by the name, though those people do exist. I, I just hope this, that that once, a, and Len's doing his homework here, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he's, he's talking with other people uh, high up in the organization, and he's going to talk to season ticket holders. I just hope... W- once a decision is made, it goes away at least at least for a while. Um, and, and I and I said last week that that part of me feels maybe it's inevitable that the name is going to change because I think eventually existing fans will just accept okay the name changed and then maybe the people who are offended are going to back off. Um, but I also hope that, and, and all I can do is say what I would do if I owned, owned the team. And Len doesn't own the team. He represents a, a large group of people who own the team, obviously. If I was the solo owner of the Edmonton Eskimos, I would probably do what Len is doing, saying I'm going to talk to people and going to get opinions and get opinions from people who are, are members of that community, and that's fine. But then if I decide to not change the name, I'm not discussing it. it. It's decision made, and it's case closed. I did my homework. I listened to the complaints. I listened to the other side, and and now we're moving on. So I, I hope if that's the resolution that comes out, and this may not come out till early in 2019 maybe, uh, if the Eskimos do decide to keep the name Eskimos, I hope they politely say, hey, everybody, we listened to a lot of different opinions. We're keeping... The name eskimos we heard your complaints or or your concerns but but from now on those concerns are going to fall on deaf ears and th- that's just how i would do it and maybe that's a harsh way to put it but i think there's a point where you have to make a decision and you have to stick with it at, at least for a, a certain amount of time i mean maybe a decade later or whatever you have to revisit it and and you have to be open-minded but i just hope at some point it says you know we're, we've dealt with it we don't feel that there's that it's it's something that needs to be changed, so let's just move on. Anyway, just some thoughts there. It is 616, Inside Sports on 630 chat. This is pretty cool. Marty San Luis, who's going into the hockey hall of fame later this year, is in Edmonton, coaching at the Brick Invitational. We'll get to him when we get back. <laughs>
0: This is J.C. Sherriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat.
1: J.C. Sherriff for the Edmonton Eskimos. They're 2-1. and one. We'll have Kenny Stafford on the show in the next half hour. We'll also tell you about Mike Riley and Duke Williams being named Players of the Month in the CFL. Nate Adjay getting his first touchdown as a member of the green and gold. We'll have a little bit on that. And as I mentioned, basketball week in Edmonton, uh, well, it's underway. Tip-off 7 o'clock tonight, Canada-Turkey at the Savile Center. We'll keep you updated on that one if you are not going to the game. Blue Jays trail the Mets 3-2 in the top of the fifth. Uh, This texter says, let's put Darrell Walker in the stands selling 50-50s, clearly putting offensive players in a spot where they can't make an impact is a great move. Uh, this texture goes on to say, I used to be upset that Chris Jones left Edmonton. Maybe a blessing In disguise. All right, that is a text to 6.30. 630. Never a shortage of storylines coming out of Saskatchewan, or uh, well, really wherever Chris Jones is. Uh, Same here when he coached with the Edmonton Eskimos. Okay, uh, full disclosure here: I taped this interview early uh, earlier today, about four o'clock this afternoon, after Marty San Luis, the former member of the Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Rangers, Calgary Flames, former Hart Trophy winner, a Stanley Cup champion with the Lightning back in 2004. He's at the Brick Invitational coaching his son's team the Connecticut Junior Rangers they won again this afternoon so I was able to catch up with Marty right after the game Marty how are you doing good thanks thanks for having me yeah good to talk to you man pretty good pretty good uh, brick invitational for your team so far the Connecticut Junior Rangers uh, tell us uh, how come you guys have been so successful so far
3: well I mean I think we've had some extremely uh, great goaltending and um, kids have battled Uh, we got some goals from a lot of different guys uh, you know, but I think we try to, you know, put a team first attitude, and, uh, and it's paid off. What do you
1: What do you get out of the tournament so far? Just the, the level of competition, sort of the the vibe around the event. Has this been pretty cool for you to be a part of?
3: Yeah, this is my third one. This is my youngest son. I've been here uh, two other times. I mean, uh, you know, the the, the people that uh, that other the staff of the brick tournament is it's just unbelievable. This is a well. Uh, oil uh machine so uh you know the experience for the kid is is, is is awesome and uh you know to be inside the the ropes with them is such a fun experience and, uh, you know to, to, to see the best 10 year olds in north america is uh, uh for a week is just amazing what the kids can do now
1: I mean, look, we we all know you as a, a guy who had an excellent National Hockey League career. Fans watched you for years. What what are you like as a head coach? But <laughs> what, what what's
3: uh, a... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, these are ten-year-olds, so you know, you're trying to
1: be positive
3: and try to develop these kids and make make it a fun experience for them. I mean, you're still trying to push them, you know. Uh, so we uh, I think we're demanding like we should be, but uh, you know, we're we understand we're dealing with ten-year-olds, so we're, we're trying to. Uh, you know, uh, approach it
1: accordingly. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that because sometimes I, I hear from parents who think their coaches maybe forget sometimes that the kids are 10 and not in the NHL quite yet. Wow, <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, that's important
3: to be age-appropriate.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, well, you guys are off to a, to a good start for sure. Hey, uh, i, I got to ask you a couple of uh, – recently here, you, you got a pretty important phone call about the Hockey Hall of Fame. Man, I can't imagine that. What, what, was, what were those moments like for you, Marty, to get that phone call and know that you're going in?
3: I mean, clearly having a call like that, uh, nobody prepares you for that. And, you know, once you uh, leave the game, uh, you know, there's nothing you can do about it anymore. And you just uh, uh, you let it in the hand of the people. And obviously, getting the call from Lanny McDonald, John Davidson was pretty special. You know, for for them to value the impact I had in the NHL at the point of you know nominating me in first ballot is uh, is pretty pretty flattering.
1: I mean, do you ever think back to 20, 21 years ago? Because I mean, you—you you were a guy that probably people were telling that you weren't going to be able to play in the NHL, or, or maybe it would be a be a long shot. I mean, you overcame probably a lot of naysayers, not only to have a great career, but now you're getting into the hall. That's quite a perspective.
3: Yeah. There was there was a lot of roadblocks, no road doubt, but it's just was, life is about finding a way, you know. And so for me, it was keep pushing and just you know don't be denied. And uh, I, I finally got
1: my opportunity, and I, I never looked back. Marty Saint Louis joining us tonight inside sports on six thirty. Chetty's coaching the Connecticut Junior Rangers at the uh, Brick Invitational. The Rangers beating Team Pennsylvania three nothing this afternoon. Yeah, you know I got to ask you. Obviously, the uh, the end of this past NHL season, some huge stories. Ovechkin finally got the cup. Vegas uh, shocked everybody. Uh, I don't, are you still following the game pretty closely? And, and if so, what are you going to remember most?
3: I definitely follow the, the game very closely. I love, I love the playoffs. I love the playoffs. And uh, you know, Steve Ovechkin get a cup that's uh, well deserved. He's put a lot of time and he's had a huge impact on uh, on uh, on the game. And so for him to get it, it is nice to see. Obviously, Vegas the success they've had this year is remarkable. So uh, the, the league is in a good place. It's really entertaining to watch.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, we talked about your career trajectory and, and, and maybe some of the obstacles you have to overcome, and I know the Oilers uh, last year in the first round drafted a young man by the name of Kyler Yamamoto who would, would be similar uh, in size to you. He's got to fill out a little bit. You, you know, Marty, it's it's probably, like, do you still get frustrated when you hear a player described as undersized and, and hear people, uh, you know, put him down because of his height or, or lack of weight? Do you think we should have moved Past that a little bit, or do you still understand where it comes from?
3: Well, no, I mean, I mean, you have two even talent, and you're always going to take the bigger guy. But right now, they're, you know, they're really after, you know, who's the best player. They don't, they don't worry about the heights anymore, which is nice to see. And I think that's why the game is where it's at.
1: All right, and I'll, I'll throw one more for you here. You, you're coaching ten-year-olds. Uh, where were you playing when you were when you were ten? What's what's a minor hockey memory from that point in your life?
3: Uh, 10 years old. I don't know. I didn't travel like they do, that's for sure. So they're, they're very fortunate to have the experience they have in today's game. So I'm just glad to be
1: part of it. All right. Well, thanks for making time for us here, Marty. All the best. The rest of the Brick Invitational. Sounds like you and your team are having a great time. Thanks for joining us on 6.30, okay. Chet. Th- thanks for having me. All right, right on. That was Marty Saint-Louis. Caught up with him uh, about two and a half hours ago after his Connecticut team uh, won again at the Brick Invitational at West Edmonton Mall. And yeah, he got the call a couple of weeks ago. He's going to be going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. One thousand thirty-three points in one thousand one hundred thirty-four games, and uh, you know, listed at about five foot eight, and certainly one of the best, if not the best smaller players, if you want to look maybe under 5'11", under 5'10", of uh, what, the last 25, 30 years? I think you'd put Theo Fleury in that category as well. Those would be the top two guys that, that come to mind. Kyler Yamamoto for the Oilers. He, uh, he's not a big guy, but he's he's competitive. He takes the puck to the net, and I think he's a guy who's going to push for a spot on the Oilers here once we get to training camp in the fall. So great to catch up with Marty St. Louis. By the way, Team Brick is doing pretty well. They beat the Boston Junior Bruins 1-0 this afternoon. They're 3-1 and in the tournament. They'll play the Chicago Junior Blackhawks. They get the early one tomorrow, 7.30 faceoff at the Ice Palace at West Edmonton Mall. Oh, the hot dog stuff was today. Fourth of July in the States. Joey Chestnut ate 74 hot dogs, breaking his old record of 72. It's the it's 11th title. The Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. You've probably seen it, him He dips them in water, so they're easier to swallow. Yeah, it's I, spectacular. I don't know how your stomach holds 74 hot dogs. He's not a, He's not a big guy, but somehow they fit. It's uh, it's amazing or nauseating. You <laughs> got how you looked at it. We're coming up to the six thirty news. Kenny Stafford from your Edmonton Eskimos in the next half hour.
0: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader six thirty chat.
1: All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Book the rumpus room for up to 12 of your closest friends and dig in for a family-style chicken picnic at northchickenyeg.com. Find them at 124th Street, 107th Avenue. You can text 63630, phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Andrew D. says does the signing of Tavares... Show that Connor McDavid's contract was a really good deal, especially if the Sharks were willing to pay Tavares 13 million per season. Well, there's a chance, especially if the salary cap keeps going up and Connor McDavid keeps leading the league in scoring, that uh, you know it could be a bargain. I, I know that sounds weird uh, at 12 and a half million dollars per season, but the Oilers are going to have to win. The Oilers are going to have to win. Enough of this being out of the playoffs all the time. Enough of this being distantly out of the playoffs. I mean, they've missed the playoffs 11 of the last 12 years. What, two of the 11 years they've been out, they were kind of close. I mean, this year they got close halfway through the season and then dropped right out of it. And the lockout-shortened season back in, when was that, 2013? They were in a playoff spot with 12 games left. And they then lost nine of their last twelve games, so they, I mean they they didn't really stay in it. They fell out pretty pretty quickly. Uh, people are going to want the team success. I, I think Connor McDavid will continue to be an excellent player. Uh, that's the probably the safest prediction I'll ever make <laughs> that he'll continue to put up a lot of points. Uh, it, it's going to be it, again we were talking about this last night. A lot of it for me is going to come down to the special teams and the goaltending. If Talbot bounces back and, and he's in the top even half of the league in terms of save percentage, they'll be a lot better. If the power play is, is more lethal and in the top half of the league, that's going to be a lot more goals for Talbot being better will improve the penalty killing, will improve the goals against. They have a chance to shoot back into the playoffs. Um, and it's going to be interesting for me to see. I, I think the Oilers finally... Finally, now this, these, these are projections and, and seeing how players are doing in the, you know, still playing junior and, and starting to break in the, into the American Hockey League. I finally think they're doing a better job drafting depth players. Whether you're going to have Kirill Maximoff make a difference or Ostap Safin or Ethan Bear, or Caleb Jones are going to make the team or maybe you're going to have a young goaltender, Stuart Skinner or Olivia Rodrigue eventually push for a spot to be in the NHL because the Oilers have had to hunt down players through trade or free agency and often overpay for those players. Adam Larson is an excellent defenseman, but uh, I mean, he's probably never going to uh, win an individual award like Taylor Hall this season. Uh, you know, Milan Lucic got a huge contract, which now questions. what And here's the thing: even if Milan Lucic had had another 20 goal season, you'd still be looking at that contract, thinking at what point does it fall off for him? And, and maybe he bounces back. I don't know. I think there's a chance he bounces back, but the Oilers have had to overpay for acquisitions in, in a lot of cases. If you have good drafting and developing and internal depth, then you don't have to overpay to fill all these holes. You can hopefully do it internally. So, I, I would like to uh, now the, with with McDavid and Seidel and Nugent Hopkins. You know, they want to try to win now. They might be better possession. Be, positioned to be a more well-rounded franchise that can take care of its own business because of good drafting three or four years from now. But I know that's not what you hear, and I don't want to hear it either. I don't want to wait uh, three or four years for them to be a playoff team again. I don't think we're going to have to wait that long, but they might be uh, better positioned to be a really good team bringing along their own talent two, three, four years from now for sure. 780-496-0063 John's on the line. Hey, John.
2: Good evening, Green. How are you? Doing great. Uh, uh, You know, I finally figured out a way to put the hockey season to bed. I'll give you my thoughts and then a couple of predictions. Sure. Um, I'm I'm a science-based guy, and so it's very hard for me to say we couldn't explain why Talbot and Leon didn't show up until January. It's unbelievable that we had the best PK record in the league on the road and the worst at home. And the power play 13th in November and 31st in April. I mean, holy cow. And what a lot of this things, the things that happened last year made you realize how much we miss Sakara when he's not playing Larson, Nuge, Clefbaum. You realize how valuable these guys are. And so I'm willing to cut a couple of guys some slack from last year. One of them Drake Kajula. I mean, major trauma to his mouth, lost teeth. Anybody's had major dental procedures. Man, all you want to do is crawl under a blanket and sip some Courvoisier for a while. And the other guy I cut some slack is Milan. I mean, I don't understand why people so are so upset with him. You gotta realize he's a very proud guy. He he was showing his disgust with his own performance. And I, I don't think there's any question that he's going to be back and he's going to be good. And he, they will use him as a presence in, on the power play in front of the net. So um, this is, these are my projections for next year. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I don't
1: usually predict things very much. but. <laughs> well, on this show, we only remember, we have a policy on this show, we only remember the so correct negativity. predictions. So go ahead.
2: Even, even Evan Bouchard is going to make the team. He's going to score 10 goals. He's going to get 30 assists, and he's going to have a lot of those 60-foot stretch passes to Leon and Connor. Okay. Jesse's going to make. He's going to score 25 goals. He's get some power play time, and so I think he's going to have a breakout year. Nuge is going to score 30 goals, and he's going to get 70 points. Leon, he's going to score 35 goals, and he's going to get 65 points.
1: He's only going to get 30 assists?
2: Nah. yeah.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> I think he's going to put the puck in the net more, so that's okay. Yeah. Connor, he's going to get 140 points. Oh. He's going to score 55 goals, and he's going to win all four trophies.
1: He's going to win Hart, uh, Lindsay, Art Ross, and Richard. That's your prediction? It is. Okay.
2: So the, the there's three major reasons why I'm thinking this way. The first thing is that we've got four head coaches that are the brightest minds of hockey available and it's just a total refreshment on the approach to the game, the power play, the penalty kill. They're bringing in some guys good on the penalty kill. And so that's number one. I mean, if those four guys can't figure out the power play, we might as well sell the franchise, read. Uh, well, Number two, Connor, he told us, thank you for your patience, Edmonton. He said this when he was accepting the awards. We are going to fix this. And by God, that brings me to the most important part of my prediction, and that is you're not going to have a better motivated group of guys than the Edmonton Oilers next year. They are all cheesed off. They are all embarrassed. They're terrific athletes. We've got a decent defense. We fixed the goalie problem. We've got some new guys coming in, and man, I can hardly wait. And enough of this Milan stuff. Enough of this down stuff. Who are going to who are we going to bring in? We've got the guys who can do it. Reed.
1: John, I look forward to hearing from you again, buddy. Thank you for your predictions. I wrote them all down. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about football
2: next time. Yeah,
1: I look forward to that. I know you usually call in about the Eskimos. Thanks, yeah, buddy. Yeah, getting pumped up. Right on. Thanks a lot, Reed. That is John, seven eight zero He's got McDavid down for 140 points. That'd be incredible. Uh, he's got Evan Bouchard down for 40. Well, Bouchard's going to be interesting. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets a nine-game audition. I, I know a lot of positive comments from him by uh, observers at the draft and people I've talked to since. Got a pretty good shot. Pretty good head for the game. I don't know if Bouchard's going to be here all year, but he might get the Yamamoto 9-game audition for sure. Uh, this texture says, problem is that the Oilers of the past game gave up on some of those depth players. Cases in point, Brodziak, Dubnik to some extent, Petrie. Pretty sad when we develop some of these guys just to see them flourish on other teams. Poor management and coaching are the direct causes of this. Well, you know, as much as I, I, I respected Matt Hendricks uh, from a media standpoint, and I know that doesn't, uh, probably matter to a lot of you, but he he was a pleasure to deal with. He was intelligent to speak to. Well, you probably do appreciate that. I think you like it when a player's a good interview. Uh, you know, Dubnik for Hendricks, that that hurt. I mean, that hurt. Dubnik kind of got his career back together, bounced around to a few other teams. I mean, what he was or he was Nashville, then he was Arizona, then he was Montreal, winds up in Minnesota. and the last, really since then last 3 or 4 years dubnik has been a top 5 goalie in the NHL. I mean, Talbot did it once. It would be would have been nice to have Dubnik doing that over and over again. That that's that's a tough one when you look back on it. Hendricks came in, did his job. He was liked by the fans, he was liked by his teammates, but there's nothing like having a top 5 goalie in net every night. Uh, thanks to John for the phone call. I appreciate it. 780-496-0063. We'll take a timeout now and then bring in Eskimo's receiver Kenny Stafford.
0: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
1: Good game for Kenny Stafford on Friday against the BC Lions. Six receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown for the season. 12 catches for 196 yards. Stafford and the Eskimos now getting set to visit Toronto on Saturday. Kenny, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? But how are you about yourself? How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always great to have you on the show, Kenny. Thanks for checking in today. You guys have uh, been back at work for a couple of days. Eskimo's sitting at 2-1. and one. Man, that was quite the rally against the BC Lions, eh? Uh, maybe no, not a great start, but you guys sure came on. Yeah, no, it
0: was a great team win. All three phases after the, well, the offense only struggled in the first quarter, but... Uh, defensive special teams throughout the four quarters played their role; did what they were supposed to do. Offense, we were after our little lull; we were able to pick it up and hit the ground rolling. But it was a good team win. It was a good team win, like uh, and especially in front of our home crowd, we owed our friends one since losing the home opener. So it was good just to give our friends a, a good show.
1: Now, what was what was going on with the offense? Early in the game, there you guys had a couple close calls. You just missed. You you know, you had that interception on the on the ball that got juggled and grabbed by one of the Lions guys. Was was there any frustration staying creeping in to you guys, or was it just more of a stay with it type mentality?
0: You got to stay with it. That's just football. And we have a veteran group. A lot of people have played here in Edmonton and just know that you just got to stay with it. And with Mike Riley, you always got to be prepared. Uh, Some of those plays we just missed on. So it wasn't like they were, they just capitalized on our mistakes, which is football.
1: So at the end of the day, we just had to make our plays and the ones that were coming to us. Well, and and you know you you got a touchdown, and, and and you had quite a few catches in the first half, and and balls thrown your way. Now, was that part of the design? Was or was that an adjustment? Maybe if they were paying more attention to uh, Darrell or or Duke, or uh, what uh, what led you to be targeted quite a bit there, especially in the first half? Uh, honestly,
0: I have no idea. I think coach just saw I was on a roll and just decided to feed me at that point in time. That's what I feel like. We don't go into a game saying, all right, Darrell d walk or d B- mitch or Kenny or Duke or Sam or Vidal. We don't go into a game like, all right, you guys are going to be the man. I think it just happens as the flow of the game and how things go. Uh, that And that's the one thing I love about being over here in Edmonton and having such a dynamic offense is that, Anybody can be the guy at any given moment. We're an unselfish group over here. We love to see people uh, be successful. So at that point in time, it was just my time. My number was called, and I just had to produce.
1: Kenny, tell me about that catch. You really got drilled on one catch. Uh, you know, you got hit really hard. You were able to hang on to the ball. And uh, that was a pretty big lift, I thought, for, for the team and for the crowd as well. Tell me about that play and maybe uh, maybe give me the secret to surviving contact and hanging on to a ball like that.
0: Honestly, I knew, I just knew from the route and how I was running it that I would have be a chance to be a collision play, like a bang-bang play. So at that point in time, you just got to focus in on just catching the football. And you're going to hit anyway, so you might as well catch the football, right? So at that point in time, I was just focusing in, hanging on to the football, squeezing it into the tuck, and just surviving contact. So, I mean, there's really no recipe for it. It's just really uh, being a professional and just making your plays, making all the plays that you're supposed to make.
1: Kenny Stafford joining us on Inside Sports. Receiver for the Edmonton Eskimos, of course, they will visit Toronto on Saturday. You guys have put up some really good numbers. I mean, I mentioned Walker and Williams, and, and, and you reeled off some of the other receivers. Uh, Aj had the big touchdown catch, his first uh, his first as an Eskimo. And, you know, Hazleton's obviously banged up, and, and he could come back at some point in this year. Um, I, I want to ask you about Duke Williams, though. He's, he's an exciting player for a lot of fans to watch, and he said... He he wanted to maybe add a little bit more dimension to his game, too. Um, having said that, he, he does pretty well catching all those deep balls. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about what you've seen from Duke over the last uh, year and a bit, being his teammate.
0: Uh, Grown up, he's become a man. Uh, that's what I've seen the most, and I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the future. He's been a really big sponge this year around all the veteran uh, veteran receivers. Like I said before, we're really lucky to be this dynamic in their receiving core like from top to bottom. I've been on a lot of professional football teams including the NFL from top to bottom. This is one of the this is the best receiver core I've been a part of from top to bottom. So, he's just been a sponge, he's asking questions. He's like, so why did you do this that way? Why did you do this that way? And he's also becoming a leader, even with him being so young. He's played a lot of football for being in year two. Like, I think he had 13 games last year, and this year we're on game four, and he's going to be a continued starter. So he's just grown, just maturity, just, you know, and being a sponge, even with him being so successful him not having the big head, him willing to do the work, and knowing that it takes hard work to get to be successful. So, I'm excited for him, man. The the sky's the limit for Duke, and I and I, I truly believe that.
1: Yeah, well, a pretty impressive season so far for sure. You guys are getting ready to go in in Toronto. You're going to see an old friend. Uh, I know you're not on the field at the same time as as James Franklin, but obviously he was your backup quarterback here with the Edmonton Eskimos before being traded to the Argos. Uh, Tell me a little bit about about James. If, you know, an Eskimo defensive player comes up to you and says, uh, hey, what can we expect from this guy? Uh, What do you think?
0: A guy that's confident, trusts his arm, will throw the deep ball. Man, that gunslinger! But he's smart, knowing that, knowing when to take risk, when knowing when not to. But he's also, yeah, he's he's, he's been a he's never been a full time starter. So there's also going to be some kinks where he's going to do things differently than a normal starter and a normal read. So. Just be prepared. Be prepared for anything, and just knowing he's he's trying to win, like that's the main thing that I do know about Frank is he's trying to win and he's trying to play very well. So, uh, just be prepared.
1: All right, Kenny. Well, this is going to be a good one. You guys are trying to go to three and one, obviously two straight against uh, the Argos. It's been uh, fun to watch. You guys are putting up some good numbers offensively. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight, Kenny. Hope to talk to you soon, buddy.
0: No, no, for any time, Marie. I just told you. You can call me any time. We can talk. We can have some fun.
1: Will do. That is Kenny Stafford from the Edmonton Eskimos checking in tonight. The Eskimos boasting the two leading receivers in the Canadian Football League in terms of yardage, Duke Williams, 308, Darrell Walker, 299. Jared texting in, he says, Kenny Stafford does an awesome interview, very articulate, well-thought-out answers. Well, I agree with you there. Love having Kenny on the show. He's been in studio a couple of times, too. And uh, I thought that was a really good answer about Duke Williams and how Williams has tried to learn, be a sponge, work on different parts of his games last year, he was pretty much the jump ball guy. Riley would fling it down the field. Duke in one on one coverage against a defensive back, trying to use his size and his power to outleap the guy for the ball. We've still see him. Uh, we've still seen him do that this year, but I think he's trying to add some different patterns to his game. Riley hit him on the nice corner pattern down the sideline for a big game against the BC Lions on Friday. So Williams to me is a very intriguing receiver for the Eskimos. I guess the thing you'd be concerned about is he the next Darrell Walker or Brandon Zilstra that has a couple of good years with the Eskimos and then goes gets a shot with the NFL. Walker didn't came back. Zylstra's uh, going to be with the Vikings here trying out. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't. We don't know. But Williams making some big plays, working, adding some different parts to his game. The Eskimos offense is, is deep. They, they have depth at receiver. Bryant Mitchell hasn't even played. He can come in. A couple of Canadians, Nate Bahar and Etay have been pushing. They've been getting some more balls. They're thrown, way, thrown their way. That's a good offense, especially if Gable gets rolling. They, they had a bad game, obviously, against Hamilton. You wonder now how good Hamilton has played, how much of that was the Tiger Cats. For the Eskimos, it's going to be defensively, and we have seen that they don't have the depth on defense that they do on offense. They're going to have to get Arjun Colhoun back in the secondary. They're going to have to get Forrest Hightower back. Those guys will be big to come back and cover. Aaron Grimes, clearly a, a, an all-star caliber defender in the secondary. But there's a, there's a good team here I think with the Eskimos this year. Riley always gives you a chance. They're going to have to stay healthy on deep. I think that'll be a big key and Calgary and Howell looked like the teams to beat so far very early. A lot of time before the Great Cups here in Edmonton in November. Coming up to the 7 o'clock news, Mets leading the Blue Jays 6-2 in the bottom of the sixth. You can text 630-630. We'll catch up with Jermaine Buckner, Canadian basketball player. Been playing professionally in Europe for the last 12 years. He went to Raj Shep back in the day. He's in town for a big three-on-three event, part of Basketball Week in Edmonton.